It is March 9th. This is Sports 845. We have a great guest coming on tonight. Hopefully, Kenny Anderson, one of the New York City playground legends, played in the NBA for 15 years. Um, Kenny's going to be calling in. We have Jonathan Macri, who covers the New York Knicks, the, obviously the NBA at an all-star break right now, the trade deadline coming up. See what the Knicks do, buyers or sellers. Could be the first time in many years they're buyers. Hopefully they're smart. Jonathan will give us some heads up there. And Dylan Price was nice enough to join us tonight. Dylan, a student at my uh, former high school, Monticello. Dylan um, can be found at Twitter at, at DylanPrice27. Like I said, he's a senior at Monticello. Um, great kid. Has a podcast. You can find him anywhere podcasts are shown at uh, what's called Ambitious with Dylan Price. And by the way, Dylan has a 4.0 grade point average, which I would imagine puts him at right at the top of the class. To my left, um, uh, one of the great coaches in New York State. Um, he has a terrific wife named Diane. Um, Richard Dick O'Neill, the legendary basketball coach, our crack producers, the Giordano's Tom and Thomas. And again, Dylan Price is here. Coach, first of all, how you doing? Everything good? Feeling good? Everything's good. Everything's good. Um, you know, golf got a little juice this week, and they needed it, you know, with the whole Tiger thing and everything. But all eyes were on DeChambeau before we get to real stuff. Mm -hmm. But DeChambeau at the Arnold Palmer Classic, uh, what hole is it? The uh, the hole? Anyway, he yeah, cut it's, the water it's out. Like the sixth hole, I think it's a sixth and hole. And yeah. hit a ball 370 yards and, you know. In the air. Yeah, should have had. Yeah. Should have at least made eagle, but he had a bad approach. <laughs> But it was – you watch the other golfers. They were all anticipating DeChambeau going for it. In the first two days, the wind was in his face. But, I mean, this guy hits the hell out of the ball. Hits the hell out of the ball. He's got a good short game. He's changing the game. But I, I don't know if it's sustainable, you know, I'm what not he's doing. But, I, you I mean, know, I don't, you'd like to think it is because it's all of a sudden with him. It's the last year. It's not like – He's been struggling. He's yeah, but are all golfers going to start to look like linebackers now? Is that is that what we're going to do? I bet you you will see that at some point when they realize they could hit the ball harder and farther. I I mean, listen, ten years ago we never talked about ball speed and, and swing speed and everything. Every sport is changing. Well, what happened was when Tiger changed his body, which was a long time ago, and he got big. No, no. A whole lot of people didn't follow that. that. They didn't follow. They didn't follow that. And Phil I say Phil. He didn't change much. Yeah, I don't see. Yeah, but there's very there's much less Greg Stadlers than there are. Oh no, golfers are much more fit yeah. than they've ever been. There's yeah. no question about that. Mm -hmm. There's no question. They, yeah. you know, they all have trainers. They all spend a lot of money on that kind of thing, mm -hmm. and they also got some really good equipment. Yeah, really good. Everything's equipment. changed. Have you so, seen Mike Trout yeah. hit a golf yeah. ball? Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, but it is. So, but I gotta tell you, it's fun to anticipate what Shampoo's going to do. Yes, you know he. he Everybody in, likes the long ball. He was thing. in the rough with his wedge the one time, jumped up in the air, came down and hit it, and 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 made it to the green. And nobody can do that. They had the NBA All Star Game, yeah. which. I tell you, I got to tell you, the dunk contest has become unwatchable. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to give you make a statement right now that is neither shocking or stupid, but Steph Curry is a much better shooter than I ever even realized. He is unbelievable. Uh, yeah. Did you see the that one walk away is, is ridiculous. The, the one sequence in the All-Star game when Lillard hit a shot from half court and Curry the next time yeah. down court said, I could top that. Yeah. You know? I'm telling you, I he still is. think Bird can beat him. I'm, what, what, I'm I, just I saying. I think Bird can beat him. I think Larry Bird is the greatest shooter yeah. I've ever seen. Yeah. But but what I'm saying is I, he was Curry fine. just yeah. gets on this roll yeah. where – and. Bird's shot was different. Curry doesn't even have to be looking at the yeah. rim. He just throws the ball and yeah. goes in. He's yeah. just an incredible. 
But what surprised me more than Curry was Mike Conley. I didn't realize he was that kind of a shooter. You know? Yeah, different in shooting threes than an in game. I'm just talking about pure shooting. I'm yeah. not talking about dribbling off the dribble or a game situation. I, I didn't realize he was that kind of a jump shooter. I would say Reggie Miller and Steph Curry are two of the greatest shooters I've ever seen. Both were also great in the clutch, but Bird was probably the best clutch shooter I've ever seen. Mm. Well, I, I bet you put them in that contest, Bird wins it. I'll take. I'll put my money on Bird. It would be a fun contest. Yeah, it would. It, it actually was a fun contest. Yeah. So you had to make that last shot. Or yeah, it. I didn't even. I, I got to tell you, I didn't even yeah. watch the All Star game, and it's almost like a regular season yeah. game. They're averaging eighty threes a game in the NBA yeah. right now, which is absurd. Yeah. And the All Star game, you play. Zero defense. It's all alley-oops and dunks. Yeah. I think the Greek freak was 16 of 16 from the field. Yeah. Yeah. So I, didn't watch, I didn't watch one second. I, I didn't couldn't. watch one second. I started to watch the skills. I went later for that. That was not, that was the only thing that was interesting for me was the three-point shooting contest. The dunk contest is right. It was a, it's unwatchable. Yeah, you know what? I'll give you the way they fix the dunk contest yeah. to make it enjoyable. Yeah. These guys could all leap out of the building. Yeah. Make the rim 12 feet. Yeah. Make it 12 feet. You know? Well, then you may be taking the, the smaller dunker out of the, out of play, though, if, if you do that. I'm just – I lost I lost all interest in it when they screwed Alex Gordon two years in a row. Yeah. His dunks were like – Well, I thought we, we play by the rules of the game, and yeah. at least you can't travel when yeah. you dunk. Yeah. So instead of just being able to run 47 steps and dunk it, which you know, oh, these they, guys are phenomenal, yeah. you have to dribble the ball. You, it can't be a travel. Cassius Stanley got screwed this yeah, year. If you watch yeah. it at all, I mean, he had the best dunks. He's the smallest guy out there, and I don't know what the judges were watching. But it is what it is. A great, you know, what is a good show if you guys want to watch this TNT inside the NBA. A lot of funny stuff. Charles Barkley is first of all, he's one of the more underrated players in the history of the game. He is that. a. He was a. Oh, he was phenomenal. He was phenomenal. He was. He has a, as great a basketball player as he is. His personality is much better. And him and Shaq, really, when they start getting at each other, yeah, but it's that, fun whole to watch. Crew, that whole crew is good. It, it's fun. And to if watch. you listen to Ernie Johnson, he's got some good stuff. Too. Yeah, he's he got some in there. Yeah. Yeah. But I was out. listening. Barkley did an interview, and the guy said to him, It looks like you're, Jimmy Kimmel, it looks like you're losing weight. And he said, Yeah, I have to. And he said, Why? Health? No. My daughter is getting married, and I have to go up in a chair. So I need all Jews on deck <laughs> because Sir Charles is doing this dance where I'm in a chair. He was incredibly funny, witty. He's a Barkley's a good guy, yeah, he and is. he was a tough sob on the basketball court. Eight four five three one three zero five six one. We hope to have Kenny in the next few minutes, but we'll start talking sports when we get back. Well, we just got done with Kenny Anderson. Um, Kenny, we thank him very much for calling in and giving us some time. Um, I'd like to see him get into coaching. And it sounds like, you know, it sounds to me as if Kenny realizes many different kids come from many different backgrounds and he was preaching academics and staying on the straight and narrow. And, you know, I think one day Kenny may be a coach, you know, at a, at a bigger school, but where he is, he seems very comfortable, very happy. And he, he's all about the kids. Yeah. I think it's going to take a bit, but he needs to get in on the major colleges and insist that, be able to recruit the cities. Yeah, you know, that's what and that's doing. what he and yeah. that's something he brings to the exactly, table. Exactly, exactly. You know, what I'm saying. Jonathan Macri will be joining us shortly. Um, we're going to get back to Dylan. We got a little off track here, and we're going to basketball. But Dylan's uh, going to give us some time and stay around. Um, Nick, we talked about the All Star game. You know, the Knicks are 19 and 18. I guess we'll save the Knicks for Jonathan. But in the NBA, 
The Heat are starting to play better. Butler's healthy, and the Heat are starting to play better. Um, LaMelo Ball is all but the rookie of the year, and he's yeah, yeah, much yeah. more he's he much is. better than I expected him me to too. be. Me too. Um, See, his father gave all of those boys a bad image with mm-hmm. what he was doing. And uh, I'm glad they turned out pretty good. They have turned out pretty good. And, uh, and LaMelo, he's probably going to be special, particularly if he stays with that team there. I mm-hmm. think they're going to be – Gordon Hayward's playing well. Yeah, and, you know, I, people knock the Celtics yeah. – uh, you know, the Celtics aren't playing well. I mean, the Knicks have a better record, or the same record, basically, as the Celtics. But the Celtics are playing better also, yes. The Celtics have had a lot of COVID stuff, right. and the Celtics are playing without Gordon Hayward. Mm-hmm. You know, Hayward was a big cog in that team, and Kemba Walker's still not shooting the no. ball well. No. But, you know, to say that Brad Stevens has done a bad job because the Celtics are only 19 and 17, you could argue the Celtics, he's done a great job because they've been piecing it together. Right. Yeah, I mean, they started off really slow. Yeah, but Kemba, the last four or five games, have been averaging in the 20s, I yeah, think. He's, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, he's, he's working he's his way back. back into, he's coming back. Yeah. He's coming back. Yeah. Um, you still don't buy the Jazz as a title contender at I 27 think, and 9? I, I I, I, because of COVID, because of injuries, he can't throw them out. I think they could be. I think they could be there. I think, I think they, they could, but I, I think that team's yeah. more of a built as a regular season uh, kind of team. Yeah. And, you know, when the playoffs roll around, you get yeah. to a short series against the same yeah. the same team, they're going to run into some problems. And they also, they, they really, out of all these teams in the NBA, they are built on the three-point shot. Yeah. If, they, if their three-pointers aren't going down, they could be swept. Right. Or they could look like the greatest team on earth. Well, yeah, that's I mean, going to where they are when the how they match up in the playoff run. You know, the teams they're going to play to get to the championship game could be the difference, also. And they, I mean, no matter who they play, they got a tough road. Yeah, I mean, there's no easy out west. You're not going to get you're not going to get a round off. No, right? It's going to take three solid rounds to get to the finals. I agree. I, I agree. In the East, you. Yeah. In the East, legitimately, two teams probably yeah. get a first round where they it'll probably be a, a you know three zip because they're what, going to go best of five the first round. What's your Spurs record? Spurs Dick are uh, eighteen and fourteen. Popovich oh, has them sitting on top of the division. Yeah, okay, they're... Uh, but I think that's a team that you could circle in on that could make some moves. Aldridge exactly. and DeRozan because yep. they don't feel they can win an NBA right. title. Right. We have Jonathan on. Jonathan, it's Darren. How are you? Hey, Darren, how you doing, man? I am good, Jonathan. Before we go any further, um, congratulations. Tell the folks what, what I'm congratulating you for. I think you're congratulating me because my um, I happen to be married to someone who just pushed out a baby, and I am now uh, a father for the second time. But I, I feel bad accepting those congratulations because she kind of did all the work. If I'm being you did very little, but yes, um, congratulations to you and your family. And, uh, and, you know, and everything uh, it, it, that goes along with it, it's a great feeling. Congrats. I appreciate it, man. Thanks. Jonathan, we're at the All-Star break, and you know I am a – I'm not a big NBA guy, but I'm a rabid Nick fan. I know enough to watch all the games and everything like this, but I sit here at the uh, All-Star break for the first time in many, many years, and there's definitely some juice at the world's most famous arena – the Knicks sit at 19 and 18. Before the season, we would take calls. The Knicks have to trade Randall. They have to do whatever they can to move this guy, get a second round pick if you're lucky for him. And I sat here along with my partner, Dick, who you'll speak to. And Dick has been, Dick is 74 years old, looks 
52, and he's been coaching basketball all his life. And Dick and I agreed, give Thibodeau a chance with Randall, rehabilitate him, and see what he could do. Now we're talking about re-signing him to a max deal. Tell us a little bit about the Knicks and the landscape and what they, what you feel they should do or could do. Well, uh, well I think that's probably two different answers to that. Um, I think, you know, in general, the landscape for the team is – they needed to do one thing this season above all else, and that was kind of restore the image of competence and coherence and just basic functionality to the organization, um, which, quite frankly, has not been there for some time. And they did that, and, you know, from that perspective, it's almost like everything else is gravy. Now, um, the most gravy thing out of everything is, as you already alluded to, um, Julius Randle, because I, I, I mean, let's just be frank. You know, the only person in the world who probably expected this was maybe Julius Randle, Randall, maybe his, his immediate family. And that's about it. Um, and you know that the Knicks did not expect this because they drafted his replacement in Obi Toppin, who is now, you know, sitting behind him and usually playing around 12 to 15 minutes a game. Um I think the conversation about whether or not to re-sign Randall to the most that they could re-sign him for at this point is absolutely a valid one. Um, he is still just 26 years old. Um, he's, and I think the most important thing, but really why I get into the nuts and bolts of it, is he's hitting shots from the outside. He's hitting over 40% from three. Um, he's always been a really gifted finisher. So you're looking at a guy who has shown the ability to guide an offense of a, of a you know, pretty decent team. They're not a good one yet, decent, say that. But also will be able to give you some value, um, you know, if potentially you add another piece down the line. And I think if you sign him to a, a, a nice contract, I think he'll retain some trade value as well. So I agree with you. It all starts with Randall and it, and it goes from there. Guys like Bradley Beal um, definitely make the Knicks – and, and Zach Levine, they make the Knicks much better. Um, when I say much better, they maybe they solidify a five seed in the East. But I can't gut this team for those guys at this time. Maybe a guy like Victor Oladipo and Evan Fournier, guys that are playing out the last season on a deal, you get to see what they could do in New York for a few months. And then in the offseason, if it works out, you re-sign those guys. Are we on the same page with that, or is there another name you'd like to throw in there? No, I, I think, you know, well, let me let me say this. I think there's, like, three tiers of names, right? Mm-hmm. There's the first tier of the guys that you mentioned, like Oladipo, I think is probably the, the most, you know, the one that's been bandied about the most. Guys that would not cost a lot, probably, or at least, you know, relatively speaking, wouldn't cost a lot. Um, and then there's the guys like, you know, I wouldn't put Beal in this category, but, you know, in terms of when he could become available, Beal or Levine, but they would cost a ton. And then the third category, which is what I think Leon Rose in the Knicks front office is really thinking, which are your really big fish, like your Carl Anthony Towns, your Devin Booker. Um, those are the two big names that come to my mind of like within the next 12 to 18 months, um, we're, we want to be in a position where if someone of that caliber requests to trade, we want to be the place that they want to come to. So I think they're, you know, for the whole time he's been the president of the team, a little over a year now, um, I think he's been, uh, Leon Rose has been trying to juggle as many balls in the air as possible. 
Um, and I think he wants to continue doing that for as long as long as he can. And, you know, not cash, cash in his checks before he really needs to, which is why I actually, I don't think they're going to make any really significant move before this deadline. When you get into the summer, maybe a little bit of a different story, but I would not expect a big shakeup, especially because they don't really need to right now. There's no, no pressure on them. This has been a feel-good season. Um, I think they, you know, they'll make a margin move here or there, mm-hmm. but I, I, I wouldn't expect any more than that. Where do, where do you think quickly is going to wind up? I mean, not where, but at, at what point are they going to let him loose a little bit? Well, I think you're implying when are they actually going to really let him run the team, right? Well, uh, because, yeah, not not so much that, but give him some more minutes, I think. Yeah. So he's averaging um, about 18 and a half, 19 on the season. It hasn't changed too much since they acquired Derrick Rhodes. I think Tom Thibodeau, if you look through his history, I mean, look, it's, it's kind of part of his reputation at this point. He doesn't play rookies big minutes. And I think if you've watched the team day in and day out, um, you see why. Like, quickly, 1,000%. I, I actually would argue that he's been their second most important offensive player, even ahead of R.J. Barrett. Um, so I, and he's been great. He's also inconsistent. Um, and I think there are, you know, we've seen him have nights where he goes out and he shoots, you know, one for eight, one for nine, one for ten. Um, not too, too often, but they happen. And I think more significantly for Tibbs is he just doesn't yet have that command of the offense. And so if you're looking at, well, when are they going to play more minutes, I think Tibbs gives him the opportunity in these games where if he has it going, he'll leave him in. You know, much longer in the first half. Maybe he's even closed some games, obviously, with him this year. Some of his, his higher scoring games. Um, but he also has the ability, if, if things are not going great, he's having an off night to only play him 12 or 13 minutes. I wouldn't expect that to change until maybe, if anything, late in the year. Um, but I, to answer your question, I, I would probably say not until next season, and that's when we'll really see him. Okay. You know, I got to tell you, you mentioned it. Uh, Thibodeau, you know, I knew coming in here, I knew his uh, resume, and that's the guy I wanted to be the head coach. Um, what he has done, you could, I could make the argument that Thibodeau, the most, you know, I don't even know if they have that award still, most improved player in the NBA, it could be two and a half to three of the Nick players. I mean, R.J. Barrett seems like, like the guy we expected, and he's improving. I like the fact he gets to the basket. I like the fact his free throw uh, percentage has gone up. And I like the fact he knocks down the mid-range jumper and is not settling for threes. Julius Randle has become a left-handed Bernard King. And you watch Mitchell Robinson, he doesn't fall for these head fakes every he, he doesn't get he doesn't have two fouls during the anthem. Robinson has improved, Barrett's improved. Alfred Payton has become more than serviceable. I know he seems to be the whipping boy because so many people want quickly in the starting lineup, but Payton's played well. Um, you know, Kevin Knox started off well, but he's, I guess, defense, you know, as obviously Tibbs prioritizes defense. It just seems like every guy on the roster has improved under Thibodeau. Well, there's a reason why the preseason over-under um, from Vegas was at 22 and a half or 21 and a half. I mm-hmm. think I saw it at some places because there's just not a lot of NBA talent. At, at least, let me rephrase that. There's not a lot of, if you're talking about building a rotation for a winning team, um, 
not a lot of guys that like, yeah, I mean, a guy like Reggie Bullock, Alec Burks, these are, uh, you know, Alfred Payton even, these are guys who would be eighth and ninth men, I think, on a good team. Absolutely. And yeah, and on the Knicks, they're playing prominent roles. Um, to answer your question before, they do still have most improved player award. And as of the last time I checked about two and a half days ago, um, Julius Randle was the second, um, in the second best odds after Jeremy Grant in Detroit. So he, he's right there um, in line for that. But I, I would actually argue that the biggest improvement, and you said it, has come from R.J. Barrett. Because with Randall, yes, there's the three-point shooting. Um, but we've seen him be a good player in the past. I just think for him, he's putting it all together. The effort is there on defense every night. He's making good decisions. Like, it's the little things. With R.J. Barrett... R.J. Barrett has been, last year, I mean, look, I, I'm, I'm not saying I, I gave up hope, but he was one of the more inefficient players in the entire league. And I think even worse than that, um, he forced it a lot of the time when he didn't really need to. And I know the Knicks spacing last season was, was a big part of that, but I also think a lot of that was on him. And look, he was a 19-year-old kid. Mm-hmm. This year, um, since January 1st, he's shooting above 40% from three, which is amazing to say um and over i would say in specific in particular the last couple weeks before the all-star break you really saw him start to take steps as a decision maker and as a playmaker where he's being more patient he's taking his time on drives he, you know he had a post up or two take you know just all little things that for a guy like barrett who doesn't have you know, athleticism that's going to blow you away. He doesn't have, like, great speed. He needs to get better at that stuff in order for him to reach his ceiling as a player. Um, and I think he's starting to do it. And, yeah, absolutely. Give give all credit to Tom Thibodeau for, for that improvement. The guy that I didn't mention, and I'm kind of surprised, is any – yeah, he's been injured, and he's, and he's so damn passive when he's on the court – but he shows you signs, and you would think this guy, if you were drawing up a player that Tibbs would love, it would be Nicolita. I mean, it's a guy with, you know, long arms, loves to play defense, and recently he's been knocking down the outside shot. Every, it drives me crazy watching him play because it's almost like he's told, whatever you do, don't shoot the ball. But his game has come around. There's a guy I wouldn't just throw into a deal, depending on who it is, but I wouldn't – I'm not moving him for Andre Drummond. Drummond doesn't make us that much better. Well, they're, they're definitely not going to do that because Drummond makes $20 million right. and Frank makes uh, – he's about six. Right, I'm just so. saying I'm, – my, my yeah, point is know, I wouldn't I just, just discard him. Yes, 100%. And I, I don't think the Knicks intend – to do that as well. The, the tricky thing with Frank, putting aside what he is as a player at this point, is that he's coming up on restricted free agency. Um, you know, th- this team obviously has, since Rose came aboard, has long had designs on making something of its cap space. Um, so I, the, the real reason why I would not completely dismiss the idea of a trade before the deadline involving Frank is I, I'm not sure they're confident in their ability to keep him long-term. And I'm still not sure they're sold that they want to keep him long-term, mm-hmm. despite what he has shown on the court this year. And I think there'll be some team out there who looks at the little signs that he's given here and there and say, you know what, there might still be a player in there. Um, but the shooting, you know, that's always been the thing, right? 
for, for years and years and years, everybody always said, well, with his defense, if you could just knock down an open three-pointer, you got yourself an incredibly valuable player. Well, all of a sudden, I mean, it's a small sample size, but he's hitting 60% or whatever it is of his three-pointers this year. Is that going to continue? No. But has he earned himself a look from both the Knicks and the league as like, this guy's an NBA rotation player? Absolutely. Um, I'd be very curious to see what happens there. I, I've um, kind of intimated myself that I think he still sees himself as a point guard in this league. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think the Knicks necessarily see him that way. And I'm not sure they're wrong because, it, like you, you said, he's not aggressive enough to play point guard in the NBA unless, you know, you're going to put him on the Spurs. Yeah, but what, um, kind, of, then, what, what you know, kind of team would trade for him? I can't see anybody trading for him myself. I don't know if he'd be the centerpiece. I don't, I don't, no, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about picking up a salary. I'm not sure he's that kind of a player. He has a, I, you know, I think you would be looking at a team that um, – is not necessarily does not necessarily have intentions of like you know being in it next year um maybe like a team that's young that's on the rise like a detroit like a cleveland um you know a team that would take him on worst case scenario extend the qualifying offer which is not going to be insignificant but it's also not going to break the bank and this summer um there's not a lot of huge names on the market so you know a team that's is going to have cap space. I, would I be shocked if he was here past the deadline? No, for exactly the reasons that you imply. I don't think there's some obvious team out there who's going to look at Frank and be like, he's, you know, part of the answer to whatever, to yeah. whatever we're trying to figure yeah. out. Okay, all right. Jonathan, before I let you go, we'll dance around the league just for a few minutes. It's amazing. Sure. It's amazing what Chris Paul has done in Phoenix. The Suns sit at 24-11, and 11, first place in the division, and Chris Paul – Chris Paul has been unbelievable. And he was like that last year. hes I didn't see Chris Paul, and I certainly don't know him, but in watching him, I didn't see the persona of a guy that's going to take on a, a mentoring role, and I've been dead wrong. Well, it's not just mentoring, though, right? Because this guy, you know, you don't get voted um, an all-star by the, the coaches around the league if you're just a mentor. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, he's, he's, been, he's been damn good. Um, and I think it's a perfect situation where you got real talented guys. Um, like other organizations have tried this with lesser players. Like I don't know if you remember when Scott Perry actually was the next GM, was the GM of the Kings a few years or the assistant GM, I think, of the Kings a few years ago. He tried to sign like Vince Carter and Zach Randolph and George Hill and try you know put them next to uh, like the Aaron Fox and some of their young players, and it just didn't work out. Phoenix is different because Booker is a top whatever mm-hmm. twenty player right now. Um, the Aiden kid is kind of you know stagnated a little bit, but he's good. Mikael Bridges, who you know, let's be honest, the Knicks should have taken a couple of years ago. Yes, Mikael Bridges is a much better player than I thought he would be. Yeah, exactly. And so when you put Paul on a team that actually has talented players and you give them some pieces to work with, I'm not surprised at all. And I'm going to be really fascinated to see if they can hang around. Um, you know, figure give the one seat to Utah, but I don't see any reason why Phoenix can't maybe be in play for the two or the three seat. Mm-hmm. And wouldn't that be interesting, right? If um, if the Lakers and the Clippers, if, if they were, if one of them was like the four seat, right? Yeah. Um, talk about unexpected. Yeah. What else around the league surprises you? Um, surprises me. I mean, other than the Knicks, um, 
The Spurs have been surprising. They're 18 and 14, but if you look at their net rating, um, they're due to have a regression. They also haven't played a whole lot of road games yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think the extent to which Utah has, you know, dominated um, mm-hmm. is is a little surprising. Although, you know, you look at a weird season like this, right? Mm-hmm. And and the type it's the type of season where I think continuity. Um, matters more than perhaps any other year because teams didn't have a lot of time. They didn't have a you know, long training camp. Um, Utah, it was, it was an interesting situation because they had that time together in the bubble, but they also got eliminated in the first round. So they right. had a decent amount of rest. So you look at them, not completely shocking. Um, I guess the, and it's you know a good thing for Knicks fans. I was surprised by the slow start that Dallas got off. Yeah, they're playing a lot better now, though. There. Yeah, but they're starting to to turn it around now, and I, I would not be surprised if by the end of the season we're looking up and the Mavs are, you know, sitting in the sixth seed in well, the Western Conference. I, I hope not. Uh, I'll give you one team I that I watch, and I watch them because of Zion, and I, I love Ingram. But the the Pelicans just don't they, – they and with Stan Van Gundy there, they don't play any defense. None. No. <laughs> no. And that, it surprises I, um, me. I think him. Drew, Drew Holiday trading him away – um, for for Eric Bledsoe, like you know, there's a reason the Bucks gave up what they did for Holiday. He's really, really good, and I know he's you know wherever he's he's not, his numbers may not pop, and he's on the older side. But like, he's just such an important piece for trying to win games, and I think the Bucks are going to have a big second half of the season. Um, I, you know, the Pelicans are a fascinating situation, right? Because they have all these picks. From the from the Lakers that are just sitting there, they have the picks that they got from the Bucks. They could make a big trade if they want, um, but I don't know that there's going to be one to be made before the deadline. And I would almost wonder, like they could, they're in a position where they're what, what are they, thirteenth in the West, twelfth in the West? Yeah, I mean their record is uh, what are they about? They're about six or seven under five hundred. So yeah, so and you, you know you look at this draft. I mean, I mean heck, they did it. Recently, when they when they won the Zion lottery, they could they could put themselves in a position to jump into potentially the top four in this draft. And you want to talk about really building a team sure. um, that the league's going to have to reckon with for a long time. I'm curious about the Ingram Zion relationship long term. Um, I don't know that I love the fit. I don't hate it. I, I'm not sure I love it though. I hope I it doesn't work. I look around the league. And I look at the Suns, and I hope they lose every game because I want Booker to get frustrated. I look at the T-Wolves, and they're doing everything I want them to do. Lose every night, and hopefully Towns gets frustrated. I, I think Towns is the, the guy you're going to want to keep your, keep your eye on. And in the immediate future, especially since, um, you know, he's going to be a free three years away from becoming a free agent. Obviously, the connection is there both with Kentucky and, and CAA. Yeah, it's also there with Thibodeau, which I think is a little overblown, though, probably. I, you know, can I just say, as, not, forget basketball players, as people, we are a lot different sometimes at the age of, you know, what was Tibbs, or what was Towns when Tibbs came aboard? I think Towns was 14. (laughs) Um, You know, you grow a lot, your priorities change, you maybe figure out what matters and what doesn't. Give it another year or so of, of him having to deal with the losing in Minnesota. Yeah, maybe not even that long. Um, and he might turn around and be like, "You know what? That dude, I didn't like it when he was here, but I get it now." So, Jonathan, where can uh, again? Where can people find you? 
You, I mean, easiest place to find me is on Twitter. It's at uh, JC Macri NBA, and um, there's a link there to my newsletter that I write every weekday, the Knicks Film School newsletter. And you can also check me out on the host of the Knicks Film School podcast. And we also have a YouTube channel now, which getting close to, uh, I think we're close to 5,000 subscribers. I don't know. My producer keeps me updated on this stuff. Uh, so, yeah, check that out. Just Knicks Film School, everything. And uh, I appreciate you guys having me on. Take care of the baby. Take care of your family and continued success in covering the Knicks. You do a fantastic – honestly, when I want Nick news, I go to you. Uh, I I very much appreciate that, and uh, hopefully I have some more good news to report for the rest of the year. Thank you, John. Thank you, John. 845-313-0561. We'll be back, and I want to talk more NFL before we finish. Uh, Dylan Price has been kind enough to join us, and I want to get to Dylan. We're going to get back to uh, Dylan uh, Price on the NFL. I uh, just want to, Dick, you and I will do college basketball next week. We'll let the tournaments play out. There's no sense. We, we beat it to death every week of who's Still on the bubble and, and stuff. Yeah. But uh, I think it's safe to say Duke needs to win the ACC to get in and, or get to the final. And I think Kentucky the same way. Yes, absolutely. Kentucky the same way. Absolutely. And maybe Michigan State. Yep, too, so. Michigan State might be in, but we'll see. We'll and we'll we'll figure it out. Yeah, Rutgers was, is going to go. State and Duke were kind of yeah. that bubble teams on the out yeah. on the yeah. outside looking in. Yeah, but Michigan State has some wins under their belt. They Duke do. doesn't. I think that they pick up two wins in the uh, depends in who the they're tournament, against in the in the conference tournament. They uh, maybe they beating Penn in. State is not going to do it for them. They need a big win. Um. Major League Baseball, we'll talk about that next week. The good news is no one from the Met front office has sexted anybody, so that's gone away. Mickey Calloway's finished. You know, I mean, he, he's not going to have a job. Yeah, let's not even talk about uh, Greg Marshall is back coaching at Creighton. We don't have to go into that. Uh, not Greg Marshall. Uh, McDermott, McDermott is back coaching, um, and that's a good thing. But we'll talk college basketball and baseball next week. As yep. long, baseball, just stay healthy. Right. I mean, Batances was in for one outing, and he, he he sucked more than he did last year. So we'll see what he brings to the table. Let's get back to the NFL. We were talking Jets. You mentioned that you feel Zach Wilson is the pick. Yeah, right now. And it's not I, – I feel like I've come off very, very high on Zach Wilson very easily. But, you know, it's not all sunshine and rainbows with him, and it's not going to be a flawless transition right away. But – I'm very high on him. I think he would have a lot of success with the Jets, especially with Mike LaFleur and that offense that they're installing, and I think that it would be the right decision. Plus, with a first-year head coach, and you don't want to keep changing coaches, it does take a little pressure off of Salah. Well, even that, Douglas, too. Douglas as well. Because Darnold wasn't his guy. And no. he got arranged marriage with Sam Darnold, and you know, if they suck next year and even the year after, it's a six-year contract, but it could be easily cut down very quickly. Yeah, but I, I, I think I'm leaning towards what you – I think I just want to see a new face. Je- yes. You're a Jets fan. Yeah, but, but two more years of mediocrity. I'm not yeah. – I just did – Well, you're not winning a Super Bowl not, no not, matter what. Not even what. mediocrity. Yeah, but I like what the Knicks are doing. I know they're not going to win the championship, but I'm not like to see a, a, a major improvement, people playing hard, yes. people being coached. I want to see that kind of thing. I know they're not going to win the damn and Super Bowl. And something to look but, forward to yeah, on Sundays. Yeah. And not just a guaranteed loss. Right. If the right. Jets don't trade for Deshaun Watson, I have zero issue with them taking Zach Wilson, mm-hmm. keeping all their picks, which they have a tremendous amount of picks. Yeah. They have a tremendous amount of money to spend. I would be okay with that, with, with uh, Zach Wilson, unless Deshaun Watson becomes available. Let's talk about the team, my team, that plays in the same stadium. The New York Giants, Daniel Jones, 
has given you enough equity where he stays where he stays. Saquon Barkley coming back. They need a big-time playmaker on that team. Is it Kyle Pitts if he's available, or do they go Jalen Waddell? I think I actually could see them maybe making a run at Allen Robinson on the trade market now. There's franchise tag. I don't see it that much, but maybe they go for a receiver in free agency because think back, I don't. not that many people saw them going after Bradbury last offseason, and Gettleman forked up a lot for him. So maybe they go that route, but I wouldn't rule out Devonta Smith at uh, – they're 11, right? Yeah. Dave? And maybe he's there, Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase I see going earlier. I think Jamar Chase has the highest ceiling out of the wide receivers. But one of those three guys I think would make a little more sense than Pitts just because you have Ingram. Yeah, but part of Ingram's problem is he, as a receiver – Catching the ball is so important, and he just—that's the part <laughs> of his game. That's the part of his game that you know worries you. Last time this hurt, I thought Chicago franchised Robinson today. Yeah, that's yeah, what he just said. Oh, they did. Oh, oh, trade oh, when oh, they could trade him. Oh, I don't okay. know if they'll right. fork okay, over capital okay. for him though. When they right. can go sign Kenny Galladay or Juju. There's, there's too many wide receivers out there now. Once a guy gets, once a guy gets the franchise tag, that I, I can't see the Giants dipping into yeah. the well. To, yeah, and they have a lot of guys out there. Really if we could get a guy in New York named Juju, I'd be more than happy. It'd be perfect. Um, take us through the draft. Um, Trevor Lawrence goes one. Yes, guaranteed. We did the Jets. Miami at three. Are they looking wide receiver? That's where I have Chase going. I actually. You got to get two a help. I would say Smith. Um, it's Devontae funny, though, Smith. because he just went in an interview um, with a team a couple days ago and said he preferred Mac Jones over Tua, and Jalen Waddle said the Forgot same thing. forgot about Mac Jones. But, uh, Mac Jones is going to be a good quarterback. Yeah, he He's going to be a Patriot. I, if he ends up with the Pats, he could be, he could be pretty, I got a feeling pretty damn good. Be a very good Patriot too. But I would say maybe Smith at three okay. for them. Um, Chase would be, as you said, I think he does have a higher upside. But Smith, he worked with them in the Senior Bowl. That's really the most time a team is going to have with a player to this point because of the new restrictions and whatnot. So I could really see them going Smith there. Um, yeah, I, I think he would be a good fit there. But I think they'll go a playmaker because they want to give two of somebody. The next interesting pick. And honestly, they're all interesting this year. I, I think the Bengals take Sewell if yes. he's available. I mean, they, they get a they get in lineman for Burrow. Mm-hmm. They're locked in with Burrow. And Burrow had a good year. I think Sewell's the pick there. But let's go before them, the Falcons. Is Has Matt Ryan's time in Atlanta either come to an end or it's definitely coming to an end? Do they go and take Justin Fields? You know, it's tough for me because Arthur Smith came in there and he's definitely going to run a play-action offense. It's what he did in uh, Tennessee. And I – I like Matt Ryan. I really do. And I think that he's still playing at a very productive level. This would be a fit where Justin Fields could end up. He'd be going back to Georgia and could be, it could work out very well. Um, I don't think Ryan's run his course yet, but it's, it's tough. It's really going to depend. I on mean, how if he's he there, you have to take him no matter what, when you have an aging quarterback, I would say, yeah. And you I don't, know. you might not get that shot again. Yeah. And I agree. And I think that, that would actually be a very, very good fit for Fields because he can learn behind someone who's done so well like Matt Ryan, a former MVP. I mean, that's a great guy to learn from, and I think that Matt Ryan wouldn't be shy in mentoring him. He's not going to be somebody like a Jay Cutler who's just going to rule out mentoring entirely. So I I think it would be a good fit for him. Um, I don't know if Arthur Smith has that much pull to say, this is the guy I want and my long-term quarterback, but um, if he does, I think Fields will be the pick there. Okay, so we agree there. The Lions, how old are you? Um, 17. <laughs> For 17 years, the Detroit Lions have been a team on the come. Yeah. For 17 years, everybody says, watch out for the Lions. Mm-hmm. 
again, you're getting that. Where did the Lions go? Did they go? I mean, Jared Goff is their quarterback now. Um, you know, you got to really hope you catch lightning in a bottle with Goff. We don't know what he is. Um, did the Lions go Devontae Smith? Um, with the perhaps losing Galladay? You know, it it would be a strong possibility. Um, I don't know. I I could see them actually going maybe to Rashawn Slater, maybe on the offensive line, add another piece there. Um, maybe they go Micah Parsons. That could be a good spot for him, add a dynamic piece to that defense. Mm-hmm. For, uh, That's why I have the Eagles going. Well, I, he's a hell of a player, and Dan Campbell might want him. But, you know, Smith, one of those three receivers could find a landing spot there. Um, it's tough to tell because it's it's going to depend on what they do in free agency because I don't know if they're going to be big spenders or if they're going to play more reserve. Brad Holmes is going to be a very good general manager. Where do you see your first to. running back going? Um, Back half of the first round. I think you'll see him in the – And is it Najee Harris? Um, For me, it is. I, I like Harris better than ETN, but – um. I, I don't know. How about I, the kid at Oklahoma State? He's pretty good, but I see him probably going in the second. Late second, I see. Yeah, I, it's it's strange. I think he, he's going to be very productive, but I, I don't know. I, it's amazing. You could find – you know, you weren't here, but we argued to like crazy. I did not want Saquon Barkley. Hmm. I, I mean, to be completely honest, I wanted the Giants to take Sam Darnold. Um, but they got Barkley, and they got lucky the next year, or supposedly got lucky. We'll see. But they got Joe, They got the quarterback and the running back. Mm-hmm. I just don't see the point in taking a running back that early. That's my same perspective. And Barkley was supposed to be a generational running back, and he still yeah. could be. Mm-hmm. But to be honest, before Barkley got hurt, he wasn't having a good year. Not necessarily, and I, I do think that – I mean, a terrible blocker. Yes, he's not a very good blocker. And Goldman came in and played very, very well. That's so my point. You could find a running that's, back. And that's my thing with the Jets at 23. I don't see them going for a running back because of that. And I think that it's you're seeing a lot of these general managers come in and kind of think the same way, way that we do and not necessarily value the running back as much. That's why you're seeing a lot more committee approaches. And mm-hmm. I don't. I don't see Saquon holding as much value as some may think over the long term, but uh, I mean he's a hell of a player. Though. Oh, absolutely! I'm, I'm if, if Saquon's healthy, the Giants have themselves a star. Yes, but the same thing is true. If the Jets bring in Wilson, they can put that same cast around him. He'll have the same results as Donald. If, oh, I, if they don't get him some weapons. Well, they have plenty of money, and that's why Wilson's the good pick there because you're not giving up any of your assets. You're using one of them, and the Jets have the twenty-second or twenty-third pick. Yeah. They have. Uh, more money or just as much money than any team in the NFL to spend. I mean, you could always go out and sign Aaron Jones if you wanted to or something like that. Yeah, they have the same. And Becton is, is going to be a, a star. He's going to be there for a long, long time. Yeah, he is. He's going to be. Uh, I think the Jets are a team that could be very good in two or three years. I agree. And I think second most cap space, you could see them make a run. I mean, Mike Garofolo said today that he thinks they're going to make a run at some of these guys. Last year, they went with a one-year deal approach and tried to mm-hmm. aim short-term, low-money deals. And I think this year, you're going to see them maybe make a run at um, not necessarily a receiver, but – Joe Tooney or Corey Lindsley on the offensive line to go for a big upgrade. And then I think on the edge, maybe they throw a lot of money at Shaquille Barrett and say, you know, why don't you come here and not go back to Tampa? Because it's going to be a hard sell. It's going to be a very hard sell, but money need, talks. They're going to need another cornerback. They signed May today. The know, Jets so. have to, they have to nail the draft. They yeah. have to. They do. Most with, important with pick. The, with the money that they have mm-hmm. to go out, they have to nail and the, the draft. draft picks, they the can't make a mistake. Yeah. Yeah. And last 
you can argue that last draft he did very, very well, nearly flawless. I mean, it's going to remain to be seen yeah. in the long term, obviously. But if he can have another draft like that again, I mean, we're talking about a very good team. Coming yeah, up. I think what Mims years? is going to be great at yes. some point. Sam Darnold, what can you get for Sam? Um, can you get a late second? I, I don't see yourself getting a first. I It's going to depend. It's going to depend what they add in, too, because I could definitely see a second and a fifth right now. I think that's about what his market value is. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe even an early second. It, if the Jets say, oh, well, we'll throw in a fifth or a sixth, maybe that sweetens the deal and they can go for one of those late firsts. Maybe San Francisco, if they make a deal for Jimmy G yeah. or Pats. I think every day as a Jet fan, you have to watch this carousel and see what's going on there. A team is going to be left without a chair to sit on. And Darnold's value is going to go up. Yeah, and I think that that's you're seeing that right now. The the Jets are supposedly holding out because they're doing internal evaluations on Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, and Trey Lance, among the others. And that is true, but I think they're going to milk this very, very close to the draft because at some point some team is going to be left out of the musical chairs and they're going to need to fork over maybe a little more. Maybe they get that late first. So I think that the way their Jets are playing it right now is very good for the One same of the strange things in the – came across today that Laurie wants Hurts as the starter. The owner says yeah, uh, he, he, he's saying that yeah. that's his guy yeah, and we right. need to make this work right, right. and he's sold on. Yeah. Okay. Well, so we'll how the hell can that be? How, how can Four that games. Be? How can that be? Well, it's the way the league is going though with the running quarterback and you know. No, I'm talking about how does an owner decide uh, that this kid's going to start? Well, he's been about he's as hands-on as he's as the an owner. owner yeah, I understand. Yeah. I understand. And the more hands-on he's gotten, the worse they play. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Jesus Christ! Anything else on the NFL, Dylan? You want to add? Um, not really. I think that you're going to see a very, very eventful this next coming week. You're going to see a lot of cuts, even if the. Even if the cap is where they expect, and the, I mean, the DAC deal definitely signifies that the TV rights are going to be there and they're going to have the money, but I think you're going to see a lot of cuts and the carousel is going to keep on spinning and you're going to see a lot of faces in new places. We might not see you. Pick you. Who's your Super Bowl? Oof. I don't know how you year do that out. before the draft. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of vets that – Aren't already on the Bucks? Want to go play for the Bucks? Said, yeah, and yeah. I think the yeah, Bucks I'm could. Yeah, I was going to go with you. Ta- yeah. I'm, if yeah. I'm going to pick right now, yeah. I'm going to say Tampa Bay. Yeah. I think it's yeah. Brady with one, uh, one more run. Right yeah. now, gun the head. It's the Bucks and the Chiefs. Yeah. Listen, that's Dylan Price, and you can find him at Dylan Price 27 on Twitter. He's a senior at Monticello High School. He has a he has a podcast, uh, Ambitious, uh, with Dylan Price, and you can find that on anywhere. Yeah, pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts. And Dylan's going to go places. Dylan did a great job. You want to stick around for uh, – well, we'll probably make – we're going to do high school football, so I'm sure we'll make fun of Monticello for just a few minutes. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll bear with it, and I'll listen to that. Well, maybe bit. you – well, I know you guys really aren't in school every day up there, but have they been practicing? Oh, uh, yeah, they've been practicing. Oh, they've right. been practicing for eight years. Well, what's Tommy, the, what's the deal look like? Um, a lot, a lot of snow. Still, yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Parking Tommy. lots are uh, prime real estate right now. They're going to be down on uh, – on, uh, what the hell field? Uh, the baseball, the old baseball. Uh, Somerville. Tom, um, Tommy Giordano is here. Tommy, he's going to take us through each week section nine football. He's all middle. He's got some new outfits for the Middletown That's Bears. He's got he scored a visor this week. He got another sweatshirt. He's got shorts. He got blue sun, blue sunglasses. Yes. I don't know if he's a coach or a mascot, but Tommy is there. Tommy, football starts real quick in section nine. Basketball just ends, and Friday night, yeah, Friday night lights. Uh, I know Minnesink goes to Goshen. Um, uh, Middletown is Pine Bush. Pine Bush comes to Middletown. 
You've got Newberg home against VC. You have Roundout. You have Roundout versus going to Marlboro. We have Ellenville at Dover. We have Cornwall at Port Jervis. And that is the – and uh, Washingtonville at Monroe. I don't know if that game's going to be played at Monroe. Um, we haven't heard any updates on the field situation. So that's we'll a good opener. That goes. Yeah, that's so a good opener. So the, uh, the be... marquee matchups would be Middletown, Pine Bush, yes. and Monroe, Washingtonville. That was the game last year, if I remember correctly, that Monroe got the benefit of a fifth down in that game. Yeah, so you have the you have the uh, the Bushman won the class double A uh, section title last year. Mm-hmm. And uh, Middletown had their issues, obviously. Uh, they were that was here. They were in first place until they had an ineligible player, and the, really the big game would I would have to say is uh, Class B champ Port gets to go up against Class A champ Cornwall in Port Jervis. That's a so that game wasn't originally scheduled. You had uh, Janice Burke had to cancel this week because of some quarantines with coming out of basketball, and they weren't going to have enough players and. Cornwall was supposed to play Walk Hill, and obviously we know about that situation. So Walk Hill received the bye this week, and with those two games open, they um, they were able to rework the schedule, and now you have Cornwall headed over to face uh, Port Jervis. That should be a really, really good game. Okay, Tommy, uh, state rankings, you know, you, you don't pay much attention to them unless they're paying attention to you at this point. Right. And it seems like the coaches or the people around the state – have fallen in love with Middletown, ranking them third in the state in Class AA. Yeah, I, th- I believe that's the max prep, the max, max. prep pros. But yeah, obviously they base it on yeah coming off of last season and what they see as returners. Do you think a lot of that has to do with the addition of Tom Giordano to the staff? Uh, well, more most of it. What would you would you say it's eighty <laughs> percent? Yeah, I I don't think they even factored that in. I think that came out before we even announced that I was. Are all sections playing football? Um. Well. I mean, all eleven sections playing football. Already I, some, some of the there was some fall football um, on Long Island. Oh, was it? Oh, okay, all right. And uh, but yeah, I think every section is playing preseason. Class A, who's the favorite? I mean, think. I mean, Minnesink is returning a, a really, really veteran squad. They've got excellent running back in Kyle Killenberg. Yes. Um, they did lose Kai Cologne, who went and played. Down in Jersey in the, in the fall, yeah. um, they return a humongous offensive line headed by Adam Fenner, and uh, you got Jake Romano and a couple other good receivers. So, Minnesink is the favorite in A. Well, Minnesink or Corn. Well, it's, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, that's right. Corn right. Right. Ball until other how, ones. Un, yeah. until until someone beats them. How do you right. not? Right. We have the two-time defending right. state champion, uh, and I think they've won sixty games in a row. Somewhere right. in I, uh, yes, I was remiss. Yeah. So, Cornwall has to be the favorite. Yeah. Uh, until someone knocks them off their perch. Yeah. But uh, Minnesink does seem to have a very, very good team this year. Okay. What's Cornwall going to be without Simo because he's in Georgia now? And then, I mean, Woods graduated last year. I mean, they lost some key players. And that's yeah. fair, bro. They I always graduated do. in 2016, and it was – Well, they don't have Mike White. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now they don't have Jason Bailey. Yeah, and I kept going. Yeah. You know, I know what you mean. It's, yeah. a, it's the same thing. They, they, it does come down with yeah, good coaches. Yeah. Yeah. Until, the, until coaches. someone beats Cornwall, Cornwall is yeah. the best team yeah, around yeah, here. Absolutely. So uh, let's go to Double A, Tommy. Middletown, we mentioned third in the state. Monroe has a tre- tremendous history. 
Uh, Washingtonville showed a lot of game last I mean, year. Newberg every year. Newberg every little, year. Uh, and then yeah, and Pine Bush with Gunnar Milan. Who who's Double A? Who's I think Double A is wide open. It is up for grabs. Um, you have the returning champions in Pine Bush. Middletown is an up and comer. You know, last year you saw what was happening. Um, Tim Strenfeld's done a great job building the program there. Sure has. They're three years into this system. I was fortunate enough to uh, to step into a situation and be able to coach there. Um, I really what they're doing there is is phenomenal. Newberg year in year out. Bill Bianco does a tremendous job with that program, and I mean they have athletes coming out of the woodwork, so you can never count them out. Um, and Washingtonville and VC last year. You know who we have well, mentioned is Warwick at all. Well, Warwick is in Warwick's in Class A. Yes. They're still in A. Yes, oh, okay. they're still down in A. Minnesota's now a Double A. Minnesota is in A also. Listen, Minnesota and Warwick both went down last year. Yeah, the no, first year in A. Then they only must be down in football because I think they're Correct. double A and everything else, right? Minnesota. Um, no, Warwick. Warwick went back up, I believe, in basketball. Yeah. Um, Minnesota was in A. In Minnesota's A across the board. Okay, all right. Um, I'll tell you, Warwick's right on that bubble, but they are still in A in football. Okay. Warwick can't lose enough. Yeah, I, and listen, uh, Warwick. They, the last um, and why last two years. That? I'm a Goshen guy. The last I think years, I think they've um, tongue in cheek. They haven't they haven't performed up to their potential. Um, they were much better than a record suggested the last two seasons. I think you'll see a much different. I'm sure you team will. This year. Listen, they get they have a lot of players. They have a good staff. I'm sure they'll be fine. I say it tongue in cheek, but uh, listen, when you're a Goshen guy, you root against Warwick. It's true. Yeah, I mean, Walkill, notwithstanding uh, you know the tragedy. Brian Vigliano's done a great Tremendous job. Tremendous job. They, you yeah. saw it last year. That, I mean, they, they started to win games that they normally won. Um, he's putting a stamp back on the program. Right. Right. I think you'll see them if they can regroup and get over this. He's uh, a, Not um, only is he a great coach, he's a very good guy. And that, fantastic. You watch yeah. that team. I remember when my kid guy. was a freshman, you counted Walk Hill as a win. Yeah. Now you don't want to go in there. No. And prior to that, so – yeah, and so I was there. I was fortunate from when Thomas was there. We started coming close. We didn't beat them until his senior yeah. year, and Thomas was a four-year starter. So in 2013, uh, 2012, 13, and 14, we couldn't get out of our own way against him. You know, Brian was still there. He was wrapping up the tail end. I believe 15 was his last season. Yeah. Um, no, sorry, 14 was his last season when we beat them in 15. Um, He's a good coach. They were very good. Yeah. And, and they, were, they were the last team – to win a Class A title, yeah. let's, um, other, than beside, other than Cornwall. Right. Yes. Let's talk about the other division, uh, Class uh, B. You got Burke. Um, are they are they B? Yes. So you got okay. you Marlboro. got Marlboro, obviously. Where's New Pulse? Port oh, Jervis, New Pulse not New Pulse is New Pulse is not playing, but no. they would have been in B. Yeah. So they dropped back down oh, okay. from A, um, and that's a shame because you know they were they were competing. They were in a section final two yeah. years ago in Class A. Yeah. They would have been that you know you'd have Port Jervis who dropped down. He does a tremendous job. That's right? another great job going on over there. I mean, Port, who wins B? I, I think you have to stick with Port's returning a lot of guys. Um, I would think Port would be the odds-on favorite. Um, Marlboro and usually you Marlboro, go to Marlboro to win it. Yeah, right. Marlboro. Yeah, I think yeah, this yeah, year's yeah, a little yeah, different. Yeah, I think. Fourth senior heavy. Okay. They're returning their right, quarterback. Okay. Um, right. They got the Costello kid, who's a very, very good linebacker. Yeah. He committed to um, Pace, I believe. Yeah. Um, so he's committed there. 
you know, so Class B is going to be Class B is going to be fun what's to watch. Round, what's Roundout? Roundout is, I want to say, Roundout's in Class B. I okay. think so. uh, yeah. They are playing. Unless they're playing Marvel oh, on the right. opener, right? Yeah. So let's uh, let's let's do some things here, Tommy. Yep. Um, give me the double A games here. Double A. Let's start there. Middletown Pine Bush. The game is in Middletown. Middletown Pine Bush in yeah, Middletown. He can't comment on this. I'm going to make Middletown a eight point favorite at home against the defending double A champs. Middletown eight over PB. Good. I, I, I can go. Good with line. That. Yes, I could. Okay. What's Good. the next game? Yeah. Washingtonville at Monroe. You know, that's a very competitive game. Um, Washingtonville at Monroe. You know, I'm going to say still until proven otherwise. Monroe is going to get two points for being at home. So I'm going to make Monroe a four-point favorite in that game. Washingtonville plus four in Monroe. Your thoughts on that line? Washingtonville plus four. Mm-hmm. Tommy, are these fair lines, or you can't comment at all? I'm going to stay away from the line. Yes. Uh, By the way, if you have a gambling problem, yeah, I'll go, I'll stop go, gambling. I'll, I'll go with that. That sounds fair. Okay. That sounds fair. Give me the next game, and then we'll go the to next A. Next game, we got Valley Central traveling to Newburgh Free Academy. Oh, Off the board. Off the board. <laughs> yeah. Newburgh's a big-time favorite yeah. in that game. I mean, Valley Central, uh, you know, they played much better last year. Yeah. Um, but okay. you know, Newburgh still, minus 19. They're not, they're, they're, yeah. Yeah. They're, yeah. yeah. Okay. They played much better in Let's their class. Let's see how close we yeah. come here. In their class. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. They're going. Uh, that rounds out uh, class. That's a, a, two games in A. So A, you got Cornwall, Cornwall Port Jervis. It's a, that's an A B crossover. Yeah. That's not a straight A, but uh, the game's Cornwall, in Port Jervis. They're senior yeah. heavy. Cornwall hasn't lost since Dylan Price was born. Oh, I'm gonna go. I'm still going Cornwall minus seven and a half. Okay. Mm. You think it should be higher? I think it should be a little less. I think. I, I yeah. think. Yeah, I'm like a four pointer. All right, like a four. All right. Yeah, no, you're not the. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Good. Somebody's going to be Cornwall. Right. Be a Minnesink right. goes to Goshen. Tommy. Minnesink travels to Goshen. Ooh. Yes. Kyle Killenberger, Ed Killenberger, the former coach of Goshen, gets to Is go back to go, get gets to go back to Goshen to watch his son play. Ed's currently coaching my little guy on Goshen Modified. Gotcha. Kyle Killenberger could be, you know, he's one of those guys that we're going to keep an eye on, could be player of the year. He's in the run. He's going to touch the ball a lot. Goshen comes in. They're done with Giordano's for a few years, and they get Jake Stack. Jake is uh, a transfer from Burke, a very uh, smart kid, very bright kid, has a good arm. But I think it's a little, I think Jake's got a tough task. Um, Young team, right? Uh, yeah, new that, coaching staff, yeah, new coach staff. and Minnesink is very big, and Goshen historically has had trouble going up against very big physical teams. Yes, I'm going to say the line on that game is Minnesink minus eleven. I was going to say eleven. I was going to say eleven. I was going to take it off at ten. Goshen gets eleven points at home against Minnesink Valley. You do have a couple Saturday games. That's where uh, Kingston is traveling to Warwick. That's a crossover game. Yeah, I'm going to make Warwick a favorite in that game. I, I think I don't think Kingston is playing uh, a big double A. I don't think they're in the double A. They're they're only playing a couple double A teams. Yeah. I think they're doing more of an independent schedule. They're, they're like um, playing like. Uh, like Spackakilla and the Red, yeah, Red, Red Hook. FDR, yeah, FDR. Any, any other big games? I mean, who does Monticello play? Oliver. 
Monticello is playing in a – did they have Curious Joel this weekend? Monticello <laughs> is – so that game got moved. Monticello is playing on Monday the 15th at home at 4 p.m. against Chester. Oh. So Chester's the only Class C school again. That's And that's when everyone else is Class – B, I'm, you know what? I'm, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I gotta give some props out here. My main man, I believe Aiden Dietz, yes. is the quarterback at Monticello. Yeah, Aiden, he's a tough, player. and uh, he's a tough kid. So I'm gonna say Chester only wins by thirty. <laughs> and there was one late scratch, which I, I don't know what happened, but on Saturday it was supposed to be Liberty going to FDR. That game is That's now game. canceled. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's in red now and crossed off. So I don't. Okay. That that really would. That's a pretty good game. FDR yeah, is class A. Like a. C playing a class A team. Well, FDR is another school that's been struggling a little bit, and they're um, they're going um, I would independent as well. Oh, are they? Yeah, they're not playing that class A schedule. I would love to see Monticello keep a game close. Forget yeah. winning. I'd love to see him keep it close. Eight four five three one three zero five six one. We'll be back next week. We'll talk college basketball. Well, if they play in the snow. It could be close. It could be. That's right. College basketball, Major League Baseball. Dylan Price. You can find him at Dylan Price twenty seven. He does a podcast, Ambitious with Dylan Price. And we thank Kenny Anderson. We thank Jonathan Macri. And it was a very good show tonight. Guys, uh, high school football, be safe, be smart, and play well. Mm